Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. The Old Testament book of Isaiah and Isaiah chapter number 55. The book of Isaiah chapter number 55. Our series theme for this year, the theme of this year, is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we're thankful that is found in the book of Nehemiah. And we're thankful for that theme that we have this year. Understanding what does it mean that no matter what happens, no matter what curves the world tries to throw at us, no matter how unknown the future may be, God is still on the throne. And we could trust in Him. And as we had saw in our previous series of the book of Philippians, that circumstances do not determine our joy. God determines our joy. And we could rejoice in the person of who God is. Now, as we're in between series, we wanted to give another encouraging message with that same theme about rejoicing. And rejoicing in God and joying in Him. And so we find our way to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. The Old Testament book of Isaiah. Notice with me in Isaiah chapter 55. The book of Isaiah chapter 55. And if you don't mind, let's look together starting at verse 1. Isaiah 55 and verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and the nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord why he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, it may give seed to the sower, 
and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be unto the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And if you don't mind, notice with me in verse number 12, in Isaiah 55 and verse number 12, and notice the phrase, ye shall go out with joy. Ye shall go out with joy. Now in verses 12 and 13, it is dealing with a subject that we call the millennial kingdom. What is the millennial kingdom? The millennial kingdom is the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ rules and reigns upon this earth earth. And here it talks about that the millennial kingdom, it's going to be a place of rejoicing. Notice again in verse 12, for ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you with singing. Can you imagine such a place? It's a place where the mountains will even rejoice in singing. It says all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. All, all of creation is going to praise God. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be the Lord for, be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And in this, it's talking about the millennial kingdom when Jesus Christ rules and reigns, and it's going to be a place of rejoicing. And we know that the thousand-year reign of Christ will be a great time of rejoicing. But in Isaiah chapter 55, even though it talks about the millennial kingdom, it also lists three reasons why we don't have to wait to go to the millennial kingdom to rejoice. Here are three reasons why we can rejoice in the Lord now. And so with the Lord's help, I'd like to title this message as we explore this, Why We Can Rejoice Now. Why We Can Rejoice Now. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for the great privilege it is to be in your house today. Thank you for the great privilege to have your word and to see what you have to say. And I'm asking that you would encourage these good folks here. I'm asking that you would give us a great understanding and that you would help us now to see why we as your people can rejoice now. And that we don't have to just be miserable and then rejoice the millennial kingdom. We can rejoice now. I'm asking that you would fill me with your spirit. That you would get your work accomplished through your word. Which we can trust. That you promised would not return void. We could trust that your word will do its work today. I thank you for it. Thank you Lord. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. And again, as this is a millennial kingdom passage, it really is talking about this time of rejoicing, this time where even creation itself is going to praise God and rejoice in God. What a wonderful place. But again, we don't have to wait. And so if you don't mind, then let's examine this passage here and let's see some reasons why we can rejoice here and now, and not just in the millennial kingdom. The very first thing I'd like to show you is that his salvation is free. His salvation is 
free. Now, everyone loves a good bargain. Everyone loves a good sale. Whether you're going to Walmart and you see the smiley faces and you know that prices are dropping. Whether it's going and finding a good uh, sale somewhere or getting some item and knowing that you got it at a good price. Everyone loves a good price. Everyone loves a good sale. Well, notice if you don't mind, as we see the world's greatest sale, notice with me in chapter 55. Notice with me starting at verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Now here it's talking about that God is offering something. And he's offering it at a great price. Now what is it that he's offering? Well we know that Isaiah 55 is also connected to the previous chapters. Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 54. Let's go window shopping and let's see the things that are being broadcast here. Notice with me in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, one of the most important passages of all the word of God. Notice with me in Isaiah 53, and notice starting at verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire in him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely hath borne our griefs and hath carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, what a powerful passage. Here it's speaking in Isaiah 53 that we are sinners. And because of our sin that we owe God a great price. But Jesus Christ who is God robed himself in flesh. And he paid the wage and he paid the payment that we owed God. And he paid it. He, notice again in verse number um, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Verse number 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Here we can see as we're window shopping, we can see in this window here, Jesus Christ paying the debt. We all owe God a debt. And Jesus paid that debt. He paid it. Oh, what a wonderful Christ to pay that price. We owed God a great debt. Now, notice with me in Isaiah 54 as we're continuing to window shop and we're looking. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Isaiah 54. Let's just take a quick window shop. Verse 7. For a small moment I have forsaken thee, but with great mercies I will gather thee. In a little wrath I have hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have 
mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. Now as we go window shopping and we're looking at it, now again, everyone likes a good deal. Can you imagine if you are <coughs> window shopping? Maybe you're at one of the most expensive stores. Maybe you're in Hong Kong. Maybe you're in Paris. Maybe you're in Rodeo Drive. Maybe you're in New York. But you're looking at these places. And most of us, when we see those places, we have to have our hands behind our back or in our pockets because we know if we break it, we can't buy it. And so we could window shop and you could see all the things and see the wonderful things the shop has and to see all the things. But then you kind of look at the price tag and say, nope, uh, it'd be nice to look at. I have to go back to Walmart where I can afford things and you look at it it's nice to window shop but those things we can't touch but as we look through Isaiah 53 and we window shop we see here is someone who took my punishment my chastisement we look at all of those things and we can see he took all the things that I owe we look in the next window in Isaiah 54 and we could see that no matter what we've done God is willing to offer mercy to us and we look at that mercy and like most things we look for a price tag we look to see what is it going to cost me some people believe that in order to receive this forgiveness that Jesus died I have to do something. In order to get the mercy of God, I have to do something to be worthy of the mercy. And we look for the price tag. We try to find something. What is this going to cost me? Oh, let's see what the price tag is. Notice again in Isaiah 55 and verse number 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, that's me, Come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. What we see is we go window shopping and we look through the things. We're looking for the price tag, trying to see this is too good to be true. What is the price tag? What am I going to have to pay in order for Jesus? What am I going to have to give back to him? We look at God's mercy and say, I know I need God's mercy. What is this going to cost me? And Jesus says, I want you to come. Anything that you see, you feel free to take. And the price tag is free. I paid for it all. You come without money. You come without price. These things are for you. Oh, what a wonderful thing. No wonder we could rejoice. Because His salvation is free. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to pay him back. The price tag is free. The debt has already been paid. He gave it to us as a free gift. The book of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life the book of Ephesians chapter 3 or chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 it says for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man shall boast that Jesus Christ has the greatest sale available all of our sins all of the price we owe God is paid for and he did it for free he is just giving it away. All we have to do is receive it to ourselves. 
the world's greatest sale. Notice again in verse 1, chapter 55, Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come buy and eat. Yea, come and buy wine and milk with, without money and without price. No wonder Jesus Christ, when he dealt with the woman of the well, in John chapter 4, he dealt with the woman of the well. And he said, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it was that saith unto me, Give me to drink, and thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. In verse 14 he said, But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus Christ has the greatest hell, the forgiveness of all of our sins, the debt of hell paid for, and he gave it to us. For free. You cannot have a better bargain than that. There's not a better sell than that. Free. Eternal life for free. Verse number two. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread. And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me. And eat that which is good. And let your soul delight in fatness. He says, why are you trying to spend money? It's free. You don't have to pay anything. It is the gift of God. Lest any man should boast. You know, religion says that in order to receive this forgiveness, we have to do something. Whether you're a Muslim and that every Friday you have to spend time to pray towards Mecca. Or maybe you're a Buddhist and you have to go to certain shrines and temples in order to find your nirvana. Or maybe you're a Catholic that you have to do these rituals and do these things in order to have the absolution. But let me tell you, religion says you have to do something. Jesus says, I offer it to you for free come and take eat freely it is yours without a price several years ago usa today the newspaper had put together and did a survey of the top one percent of wealth in the world or in america now to be the top one percent of wealth in america you had to be pulling in a quarter of a million dollars a year so probably not any of us but what they did is they they pulled the top um, 1% of wealth in America, and they asked them that if you could buy anything, real or imagined, if you could have anything, what would you purchase, and what would it be worth to you? Here are the results according to USA Today in their poll. Number five, eternal youth, and that people who are the top 1% of wealth of America said they were willing to spend over 25 uh, $259,000 to have eternal youth. Number four on their list was talent. That they'd be willing to buy talent and they'd be willing to pay to the price tag of $285,000 if they could just have talent. Number three would be great intellect and they would be willing to pay $400,000 to have great intellect. The top 1% of of wealth of America said that they would be willing to pay to the tune of $480,000 for true love. But above each and every one of them, uh, number one on the list of the people who were the number one or top 1% of wealth in America said above and beyond the thing that they would pay for the most would be guaranteed place in heaven. And they were willing to pay close to $1 million 
to be guaranteed a place in heaven. Now that's USA Today doing a survey. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, for what I understand, none of us can afford a million dollars. That, that's something. We don't have millionaires in here, and I doubt if we have thousandaires in here. And so if it was a requirement that you had to pay a million dollars to go to heaven, most of us couldn't have made it. Even if you saved up all your pennies with all of your expenses and everything, you couldn't have made it. But you know what Jesus Christ did? Is he made the bargain, the price tag, he made it for free. And this is one of the reasons. We don't have to wait to the millennial kingdom to rejoice. We can rejoice now because his salvation is free. It is a free gift. And that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me tell you, you could have forgiveness of all of your sins for the price tag of free. You just have to be willing to accept that free gift that he paid for you on the cross of Calvary. What's another reason why we could rejoice according to Isaiah 55? Well, we know first of all that his salvation is free. The second thing is that his mercy is for me. His mercy is is for me. Notice with me in Isaiah 55 and notice with me verse 6. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. The Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Now that's an important verse, by the way. This is why we have what is called an invitation. Because when God is drawing and God is working on someone, now is the appointed time. Now is the time to respond. And God has said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. What are we calling upon him on? What are we asking for? Verse number 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. To our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Oh, I'm thankful that there's a God who is willing to pardon if we are willing to turn from our sins. The Bible word we use is repentance. The repentance is the idea of a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. To recognize that my ways were wrong. The way that I thought, the way that I saw things was not lining up with God's ways. And I chose His ways. And when I chose His way, He showed me mercy. He showed me mercy. Oh, that mercy is for me. God wants to give mercy to everyone. And now is the time to call upon him. Call upon him while he is near. Call upon him while he is drawing. Oh, his mercy is for me. Notice with this mercy in verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And he, the Lord, will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Oh, I love that word, abundantly. He says he will abundantly pardon. That God will forgive you of all of your sins. He will forgive you for each and every one of them. Oh, I'm so glad that God's mercy is able to cover every single thing. Whether it's a stack of sins or whether we call it big sins. He's willing to forgive you of everything. He's willing to show you mercy if you will just come to him. Acknowledging that you were wrong and he was right. And be willing to turn from your wicked ways. God will show you mercy. Oh, this is one of the reasons why we can rejoice now. Is that his salvation is free. Oh, but his mercy is for me. 
What does he do with all of those sins? Well, the Bible says that he covers all of our sins. He washes them white as snow. The Bible says that he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. If you were to take a globe, you could take a globe and go north, 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 and it'll be eventually where you come to the place where you start going south. But if you take a globe and keep going east, you'll find you keep going east, keep going east, keep going east, and there's never a place where you stop. If you go turn around and go west, you keep going west, 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 and there's never a place where you could stop. And the Bible talks about that God has cast our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Well, they'll never meet again. He has cast them far from us. And a different passage, the Bible says that he cast our sins in the depths of the sea. Now, if I remember correctly, the depth, the deepest part of the ocean is what is called the Peruvian Trench. And that trench is so deep that you could put Mount Everest, our biggest mountain, and put it in that trench, and it would still be covered with a mile of water. And you know where he put my sins? In the bottom of that trench. We don't even have submarines right now that are strong enough to withstand the pressures. That means no one could go find my sins right now. No one could go find that little mountain that's under there where God buried all my sins. They are gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Oh, God has put my sins and they are gone. That is the mercy that he shows me. Oh, why can we rejoice now? We don't have to wait till the millennial kingdom and rejoice. We can rejoice today. Why? His salvation is free. Why else can we rejoice? His mercy is for me. What's another reason why we could rejoice? Well, let's look again in Isaiah 55 and let's find a third reason why we can rejoice today. That we understand that his salvation is free. We understand his mercy is for me. A third reason is that God's word never fails. God's word never fails. Notice with me in verse number 8. In verse number 8, we find the authority of the Word of God. Verse 8, for my thoughts, this is God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Now that's a pretty declarative statement. God does not think like you do. You need to understand that. God doesn't think like you do. How many people have someone that's lucky to be alive because God doesn't think the way that we do? All right? God doesn't think the way we do. If we could cast lightning bolts, we would. And we'd just wipe some people out. God doesn't think like we do. His thoughts are not his thoughts. And his ways are not our ways. You know, we have in mind something that we would do. If we had our choice, we wouldn't have a problem in the world. That would be our choice. But God's way says, I know that you need problems. I know you need things to struggle. I know you need reasons to trust me. God says, I think differently than you. I know more than you. He says, but this is my words, my authority. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's talking about. It talks about in verse number 11. So shall the word that, be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. We understand that when we're speaking about God's words, God's words are different. His thoughts are different. And that the Bible says over 3,000 times, it identifies the Bible as God's words. And that God's word is different than our word. That's why we have the Bible. That when you understand that you have the Bible, you are actually opening up 
the mind of God. You're seeing what he's thinking about. And what we're doing today is we're seeing what's on God's mind in Isaiah 55. This is how we understand the mind of Christ. The thought of God. To understand that he explains things in here that we would have never identified to ourselves Or want to identify to ourselves. That God has a different way and that we have to study his word. And understand that this is God's word. Not only the authority of God's word, but we see the magnitude of God's word. Notice with me in verse number 9. It says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth. So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So here it gives a comparison. All right. We have here earth. Can you identify geographically where heaven is? Well, normally we say heaven is up. That's about as close as we could get. I mean, heaven's pretty distant in measurement. We know it's a different type of measurement. But can you kind of explain how many miles away heaven is? Well, the Bible says just as far as heaven is from the earth, so is the distance between my thinking and your thinking. Say is the distance between my ways and your ways. That's quite a distance. We don't think the same. We are thinking different. God knows different. Why? Because God knows everything. Do you know that you do not know everything? I know most teenagers when they turn 14 think they know everything, but they don't. But you know you don't know everything. You don't even know half of everything. You probably don't even know a quarter of everything. But God knows everything. And because he knows everything, he knows what to do. He knows the path we need to take. He knows what it's going to take to line us up. He knows what to do to give us in the right position at the right time to be at the right place. He knows how to order our steps. Sometimes we can look behind and say, how did I get here? God ordered my steps. God knew what he was doing. God's ways are above our ways. What we see is the magnitude of God's word. That he knows more than us. He knows abundantly more than us. So we need to find out what he thinks. We need to find out his way. And understand that he knows what's best. You know there's a lot of things in the Bible. That if we had the choice. We wouldn't believe. We wouldn't obey. We wouldn't whatever else. Because we say I don't need this. I'm better off without it. But God says I know you need this. You don't think you do. It's almost like a child who needs discipline, right? If you ask them, do you need this discipline? No, I learned my lesson without it. Mm, Probably not. God knows what we need. If we had the choice, no, 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 I got... You ever think about why they give tests and quizzes in school? You ever think about it? You know why? Because you're sinners. You cannot be expected to learn the material on your own. Right? That's why you have tests and quizzes, because you're a sinner. If they could trust you to learn the material the way that you should on your own, you wouldn't have tested quizzes. Why does God put things in our life? Uh, because we don't learn things the way we should. Oh yeah, I know this, I know this. And then you put to the test and you fail. God does that to us all the time. To show that we didn't learn it and that we really needed to learn it. God knows what he's doing. He knows more information than us. There are things that we would not choose in our life, but God chose for us because he knew he needed us. We're thankful that God knows what he's doing. Aren't you glad he didn't leave all the choices to us? Let me give an example. When you were, before you were born, there's not a little station where you kind of line up as a little unborn baby and say, all right, who do you want your parents to be? Because if not, we'd all pick Bill Gates or something. God didn't give you a choice of who your parents were. God chose for you. God didn't, you did not choose Where you were going to be born. Not everyone could be born in Texas. I understand that. 
God didn't give a choice when you were going to be born. Some of you wish you were still born in the 1800s. Some of you wish you were still born ahead in the future where you had more technology. But you didn't have a choice. God chose for you. And there are other things that God gave to you in your life that you may have not have chosen. But God knows what he's doing. And through his word, he can give us understanding. He does know what he's doing. And it may not have been choices we would have made for ourselves. But God knew what he was doing. We see the magnitude of God's word. Oh, but we see something else here. The effect of God's word. Notice with me in verse number 10. For as the rain, so we're seeing a comparison. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word. Now notice, in verse number 10, he does a comparison. In verse number 11, what is he comparing it to? He's comparing it to his word. So shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, that it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, so it shall prosper in the thing that I send it. Notice the comparison. Notice these effects. Now again, in verse number 11, we see that God's word came from his mouth. That this Bible doesn't contain the word of God. It is the very word of God. This is what God has given to us. And that God says it's going to have an effect. Notice the first one in verse number 10. For as the rain cometh down. We understand that the rain comes down and it washes things clean. It washes things away. And by the way, that's what the word of God does for us is that it washes us clean. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that we're washed clean by his word. And just like the Bible... Uh, just like the rain, the Bible does the same thing. As the rain comes down. Notice the second thing here. that And the snow from heaven. Now, here in Wisconsin, we understand that first snow that covers everything. When it's clean and crisp and beautiful. And it covers all the ugliness of the sidewalks or the dirt, the dying grass. It covers everything. And just like that, God's word, it covers us and makes us white as snow. He covers up all of our infirmities. He covers up all of our sin. He's able by his mercy to cover it all. That's what God's word is able to do for us. It's not done yet. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven. And returneth not thither. Now this is important. Now when it snows. When the snow starts uh, uh, going away. The snow doesn't snow backwards and go back to heaven. Does it? No. It melts. And it starts going into the earth. Notice this. As the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and make it forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Notice this. The water then melts, or the snow melts, turned to water, or when it rains, it turns to water, or it is water, and it soaks into the earth. And when it soaks into the earth, it gives the nutrients needed for a plant. You guys remember that when you were in kindergarten, first grade, you did the plant experiment. You took the cup and you put soil on it and you put the bean inside of it and you watered it and then you stared at it. And it's only been five minutes. Come on, come on. And you make sure that it's watered. You make sure you got sun and you check on it. Still nothing. Come on. It's nothing happening. It's nothing working. But we understood from that experiment that something was happening. You could not see it yet. But as the water and the light hit it, that roots begin to form. 
And there's a work happening that you can't see because of the water and the plant and the warmth. And it starts to grow roots. And it's not too long afterwards that you see a little green stem starting to come from the soil. Well, you know what God's word does? That God's word, it watereth the earth and maketh the seed forth and but. Uh, bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, that it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing that I send. Just like the, uh, the comparison, that when God's word is given, it will always accomplish what God wanted. Now, it may not be instant, just like we were waiting for that plant as a little kid, and come on, when's it going to come up? You don't see what's going on, but there's something happening. And it may, may not be on the surface, but God's word is doing a work. Now, it may not be as quick as we want, but we have God's promise that it is doing something. And it may be chiseling away at a hard heart. It may be working on someone to help change their thinking and change their mind. It may be working on them and slowly trying to knock off and bring them closer to God. But God's word is doing something. And we may not see it on the surface, but we have God's promise that God's word is doing something. And it will not return to him void. It will not return to him empty. It will not return to him without doing what God accomplished, wanted it to get accomplished. Now again, his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. And we may have a certain thing that we want to preach God's word and all of a sudden everyone get right. That'd be nice, but it doesn't happen. But we could trust that every time God's word goes forth, God's doing something. There may be a time that because of the preaching God's word and that we give an invitation and no one responds. And you say, well, that was a dud. That was a flop. That could be that the greatest things are actually happening because God's word is not leaving someone and he's keep bringing it to the remembrance. Keep bringing it up there and never know that God may use that one thing and have that seed germinate and blossom into something. It could have been that something great was happening that day and we didn't know it. We have to trust. You say, well, I'm trying to give the gospel to my parents. Give them the word of God, but they're not listening. Yes, but you could trust that God's word is doing something. It's doing something. You have a child that's that's kind of wayward. Give them the word of God. Trust that God's word is doing something. Remember that his words are above our words. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our thoughts. Sometimes we just keep using our words to explain things. Just give them the word of God. And trust that God's word will do something. And it will accomplish it. And again, it may not be instant. But there is a promise that God was going to do something with it. And we could trust him. You understand these are some reasons why we don't have to wait to the millennial kingdom. We can rejoice today. First of all, his salvation is free. That Jesus said, come and eat. Take without price. It is yours for free. Just take it. It is the gift of God. His salvation is free. We understand that another reason is because his mercy is for me. His mercy is for me. That he is willing to show mercy to anyone that calls upon him. That we're supposed to call upon him while he is near. To seek him while he can be found. Now is the appointed time. Now is the time to respond. But we also have a third reason. Is that God's word never fails. That his word will get accomplished. And even though we may not see what is happening. And it may not have the instant results we would like to see. We can trust that every time God's word goeth forth. That it is doing a work. And we can trust God's word. 
we can trust it. This gives us reason to rejoice. This gives us a reason for us to be a hopeful people. Because our God knows what he's doing. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.